We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. You are listening to KC Sports Network, the number one podcast network for today's Kansas City sports fans. With former players from your favorite teams, informed perspectives, and former insiders, this is the place for you. You can find us wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel, all over social media, or our morning newsletter, KCSN Daily, dedicated to your Kansas City Chiefs. KC Sports Network is proudly presented by Emprise Bank, your partner in Possible. KC Laboratory, sponsored by Emprise Bank. It's another live edition of the KC Laboratory, presented by Emprise Bank. Look, an Emprise Bank debit card is good anywhere. You have access to 55,000 fee-free ATMs worldwide through the AllPoint ATM network. You can get the same kind of access to your money as any bank across the country while getting the value of working with a trusted partner in Emprise. We have loved working with Emprise. They are absolutely a trusted partner. Uh, they've been great. They were great for the KCSN Draft Guide. And Maddie Lynn was great for the KCSN Draft Guide as well. Find him on Twitter at Maddie underscore KCSN. What's up, buddy? You know, I- I'm still a little heated um, because Tucker Franklin, behind the scenes here, had the audacity to put me as only a three-point favorite if you and I were to play a game of 21. And, like, I feel like you're less likely to be within three of 21 at the end of the game as you are to score three points. I don't think you can finish at the rim as, as confidently as you believe you can. I think I can, I think I can hold point well enough down in the block to make it, to make it competitive. We're doing this next time. We're in the same city. This is a challenge we can do. You, you wore jeans. So you couldn't get routed up when we went to the shrine bowl, you wore jeans. So we couldn't run routes against each other, but, uh, a basketball is cheap. I will go buy a basketball, whatever city we're in. We'll find a park. Like, we can put this one to the test. Kent. I mean, we're going to be rolling around in like, like, uh, like below the ankle shoes. Try not to hurt each other. I'll beat you barefoot. This. I'm telling you, there's like one long-standing argument in our group chat with us two, Craig and Bearcat, and it is always about who is the best at basketball. It's usually who could eat the most pizza. Um, but yeah, there's also the basketball one. But like, we can finish this one. And I have the utmost confidence that the line of minus three is way underselling me versus Kent. If if we are all as good as we claim to be, we should play in the tournament, like the one for a million dollars. Like we should just start a team if we are as good as we all claim to be. Um, thank y'all for joining us. Uh, Craig is not here today. Uh, he's uh, enjoying some time off, which is wonderful. We're very glad that he's getting a little chance to do that. And so it's me and Maddie Lane hanging out again. Were we? No, we weren't on Twenty One Questions last week. It was me and Tucker because we got the question. Did 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 you ask the question? I did. I I, I did. I can't. I can't believe you asked it. I was pretty sure it was you while I was reading. I was like, that's, I think that's Maddie's handle right now on the KCSN Discord. I had to get an outside perspective from the group chat. Like, I had to get, you know, somebody that was completely unbiased, somebody that only sees it from the outside. And he gave you a lot of credit. So I don't know why you're upset. I, I just, I don't know. I just, I, I, I would, I, I need to see, you claim to be skilled and I just need to see it. 
skilled's one way to put it. I mostly claim to be a pretty good athlete for playground basketball, and I usually my athleticism can give people fits uh, when we play on the court. I, and I, I don't believe the, you can keep up. I won't argue that you are the you most also physically imposing to George Karloftis. You're yeah, look, I look, I this is good. You want to know why I compared you to George? Karloftis? I also wasn't offended. I want to say this very clearly. I'm not offended. Like comparing a regular person to Karloftis, who no matter how stiff I might have said he is in the past, like that does not bother me. Look, when Maddie, this is gonna sound weird, but when you hug people, you kind of just remain upright. Like it's kind of like you're doing like a waltz or something. It's like when you go in for a hug, you kind of just stand straight up. So I feel like you're a little bit rigid in the upper body. Wow. You're making a snumpson based on me having good posture. Yes. <laughs> because the posture comes off as like a lack of fluidity through the frame. It doesn't come off as good posture. It comes no, off as posture like posture from training people. Cause I had to coach people to keep a broomstick on three points of contact on their spine. So I yes. had to walk around like that. Yeah. I, yeah. I That's just feel I like too. I said that I'm saying that way right now, in case you're wondering. I just feel like I just feel like you just you you maybe you know when the ball's in your hands, you, you don't have enough fluidity to be creative. That's all. I feel all like right. it's just I go down and back up and throw the ball into I think people want us I think people want us to start talking because like yeah, I was gonna say we, we've we're got getting a questions like Alexander Polk, Polk really quick wanting to know who we think will be the Patrick Mahomes main target this season. I think it will be uh Travis Kelsey still, uh Alexander. For sure. Uh, and if I was going with a, re- if you're going with the receiver though, Maddie, uh, Juju Smith-Schuster, and I don't think it's like target-wise, probably reception-wise, I don't think it's close. I've talked about it a fair amount that I think he's being slept on a lot, whether that is purposeful from the Chiefs organization or it's just the way things have gone. But I would be very impressed in you know injuries notwithstanding if Juju Smith-Schuster doesn't easily lead the Chiefs wide receivers and targets. Shout out to everybody watching on Facebook, uh, on YouTube, oh, everywhere. Yeah. If you like the show, please feel free to hit the like button. That helps us while we're doing this live show. Uh, hit the subscribe to- button, too, if you'd like as well. That'd be really great. Um, just continue to engage with this show. Uh, maybe we'll answer a couple more questions if they pop up later. Uh, we have one, you know, a couple things on the docket uh, today. Obviously, I think we're going to start with with Robert Quinn. And, you know, this, we've talked about this a few times this offseason. Um, and... You know, it seems like there's a little bit of, uh, you know, maybe maybe energy coming out of that whole situation right now because it seems like it is heading in the direction of Robert Quinn being traded from the Chicago Bears. Kind of felt like, you know, early on in the process with some of the, you know, conversations that were happening around draft, you know, the, the, around, you know, the beginning of draft season that, you know, Robert Quinn's time in Chicago might be limited. And, you know, the Chiefs, I think if, if, if Matt is is edge rusher the one position on this roster right now where you just feel that there's something to be desired that you wanted more stability you wanted more there is that the position is there another position more pressing to you right now than than edge I I think you can make a case that the cornerback room's a little unproven and same with the wide receiver I think we've seen a lot of hype coming out of training camp or not training camp but the offseason program that Marquez Valdez Scantling's been the most impressive wide receiver there and he's made a lot of plays and the coaches constantly talk him up if that's the case maybe I'm in for a huge surprise but I do think if MVS and this is of no slight to him but if he is the guy that's being the number one wide receiver I think your wide receiver might also be a problem but I'm willing to wait that one out defensive end wise edge rusher wise yeah i mean they need one they just need bodies like right now they don't have more than one body that's proven to be even an adequate pass rusher at the nfl level nfl level and that's frank clark coming off of arguably his worst season in the nfl and you can like the like i think that like this is the thing i look at with this roster like you can like the pieces that they have in the room and still acknowledge that they're unproven. Where, like, okay, we talk about the receiver room. I think there's, I think there's bodies to be thrown at that position, and I think there's good additions and new additions to that room, like a Sky Moore that is unproven but is a viable, you know, a potential asset. It's a good number to throw at that position to hope that you're going to get, you know, enough out of it. And the same thing with cornerback because the Chiefs just invested. You know, obviously they lost a ton of production at the cornerback position. They lose Charvarius Ward. Um, Mike Hughes gone, which whatever, but you know, you, you look at this group and like, you know, they, they've thrown a lot of numbers at the cornerback position. Um, even Lonnie Johnson, you can consider throwing, you know, a lot of bodies at that group. Yes. The chiefs added 
uh, they added George Karloftis in the first round of edge. But I don't think the totality of that group of the guys that they've thrown at that position gives me the same level of comfort in figuring it out at corner and receiver that, you know, that I, I feel like those two positions will resolve themselves. I feel better about them resolving themselves. I look at edge and I go, Oh man. I mean, I, I, I like, I love, I like the idea of George Karloftis. I think he's a, you know, I think he's going to do well in year one. He's going to play a lot of snaps. He's going to give outstanding effort and he'd be able to play a lot of snaps. And then yes, you look at Frank Clark and you know, you know what he provides at this point juice off the edge maybe not as much as you'd hope good against the run still but then i mean mike dana sure role player joshua kando we'll see healthy scratch down the stretch like he's a guy that i know a lot of people like because the athletic ceiling and the potential is there but he did return from the elbow injury now you could easily argue or make the case that that helped keep him off the field but it's not like world beaters were keeping him from being active on game days he was healthy he was functionally able to play he just couldn't get active over Alex Okafor the ghost of what we were seeing of Frank Clark Mike Dana these guys that everybody kind of admitted coming into the offseason they need to improve upon it's like like you said earlier you can like some of the guys in the room you can like Mike Dana and maybe how he's progressing in the NFL you can like the potential of Kane Doe you could have been a George Karloff this is a top 10 type of pick kind of guy but none of those players have really proven to be anything so far in the NFL. And Frank Clark's trajectory right now, it's trending more towards a rotational defensive end as kind of his best case scenario. Maybe he bounces back this year, but there's far from a lot of certainty. And they, the Chiefs, you know, they're a front, they're the coaching staff. The front office might be a lot higher. I think I've seen some people in the chat say they might be a little higher on the group. It's possible they really could, but. I would just push back that Mike Dana seeing less and less snaps kind of as the year went on and Joshua Kando being a healthy scratch and spending a first round pick on a defensive end probably say they weren't loving that group, at least as of late last year. So they do need or at least having some extra bodies that have been proven at this level would really be really helpful. Enter Robert Quinn, 18 and a half sacks in 2021 um, and a guy that kind of seems like he is on the way out in Chicago, the way some of the conversations seem to be having and trending. Uh, honestly, all the way back to April, when you kind of saw right before the draft that, you know, uh, there's been some discussions about his future uh, with the Bears uh, and the new, you know, the new regime. And then you start connecting the dots. And there's just so many dots to connect between the Chiefs and the and the Bears. Uh, Steve Spagnolo, former first-round pick uh, of his time in St. Louis as a head coach. Robert Quinn, uh, you know, you talk about the Ryan Poles connection. Ryan Poles just coming from Kansas City, the general manager for the Chiefs. Okay, you talk about the draft picks that the Chiefs have. The Chiefs have 12 now as we sit here. They're due for, I believe, four con compensatory picks. They have some, or three, three or four compensatory picks that picks, I think it's three actually. Sorry, the Ryan Poles, two six-round picks. I thought they might have had a seventh. Anyways, they've got the assets that are coming from Miami with the extra fourth uh, in the sixth round pick in the Tyree Kill trade. 12 assets. 12 guys are not making this football team. 12 draft picks are not making this football team in 2023. You look at that cost wise. I mean, if you know, you look at, you know, there was there's reports that the Chiefs were in on the aging pass rusher market with the with the Von Millers, with the with the Chandler Jones. There was some some interest from them up from the Chiefs, apparently. Well, Robert Quinn's the same age as Chandler Jones. In fact, I think he's a little bit younger than Chandler Jones. And, you know, if the Chiefs were willing to shell out money for Chandler Jones, uh, Robert Quinn's contract is very uh, amenable to, you know, to being acquired in a trade. So I just look at all these dots that are, you know, that it just makes too much sense to me for the Chiefs not to be in on Robert Quinn. And, I, and they, I mean, they, they're they're perfectly aligned to do it, I think. Yeah, I and mean, we've kind of been on that train for a little while now. Like I'd, I'd make the case that Quinn was the best pass rusher for the Bears last year, and we saw Khalil Mack went off and gets traded, you know, to the AFC West. And I again would make the case that Quinn was better than him last year. Now, if you want to argue, I guess against trading for Robert Quinn from the Chiefs situation, I think you kind of hit it, the nail on the head. The Chiefs sat out the veteran free agency pass rush, you know, kind of market. They didn't sign anybody because they didn't want to spend that much money on a veteran. Robert Quinn doesn't cost quite that much 
cash, but you have to trade assets for him. And he is a 32 year old pass rusher that, I mean, you can go all the way back essentially to his 2015, his last year with the Rams. He's kind of been on a, every other year. He's been pretty good with some down years in between. So he's been semi inconsistent over the years as a pass rusher. He's a little bit older. He's not going to be dirt cheap to pay and acquire. But at the end of the day, here's a guy that was like, what, third or something like that in the NFL last year in sacks with 18 and a half sacks. He's produced double-digit sacks in two out of the last three seasons. He's an excellent, excellent speed rusher off the edge. Like, that's what he does. He's not a bad run defender by any means. Like, he's a starting caliber edge rusher. I think you can make the case that he's even a tier one, like a, not tier one, but like a starting, a defensive end one right now. And he's available for something that's probably not going to be a huge trade package that's a move that contending teams make. And I'm always going to be for making that move before week one rather than trying to wait and squeezing it and at the deadline because it's of no difference to the team that's going to be getting rid of him. The price, item, in my opinion, at that point only kind of goes up because your teams are now getting more desperate. I think the price to get him will be cheaper now. Show some foresight, make the move earlier, and go get one of you know a guy that can come compete with the Khalil Mack, with the Joey Bosa, guys like that in the division, Max Crosby, to be the best pass rusher, Chandler Jones, in the division, the Chiefs could come away with a guy that's the most efficient or productive defensive end out of the entire group and get him for you know a fraction of the cash spending, at least. Uh, Robert Quinn was second in the NFL in sacks last year. Um, I, I'll ask this question. Do you think in any way, shape, or form, Robert Quinn stunts the growth of the young. I'll just, we'll just call it George Kalafis. Do you think there's any way that his presence stunts the growth at all of, of George Karloff, which is, I think is probably the priority when it comes to the pass rushers. I don't see it. I don't think that there's really any logical explanation to say like, Hey, you know, Robert Quinn gets in the way of George Karloff just developing. If anything, He's probably a value add considering he's an experienced pass rusher who's played for Spags and has had a lot of success in this league. Yeah, I mean, I, do, I don't see it at all. I'm looking, I just quickly pulled it up and Chiefs defensive end, you know, snaps last year. Alex Okafor played almost 500. Mike Dana over 500. Chris Jones split, spent some time at defensive end before going back to defensive tackle. So that even steals some. And we know Frank Clark played a ridiculous amount of snaps even though he was coming back from an injury. Like, it just, he played almost 700 snaps. Like defensive ends, a position that's going to rotate a lot, no matter what there's George Karloftis. While I think he could come up there and play that 75% number that Frank Clark has played at times in his career. You don't have to, like, you don't have to play 75% of the snaps as a pass rusher in the NFL to be, to get, you know, the full impact that you're needed. So Robert Quinn could come in and be a starter, or he could, he probably wouldn't be your bench guy. It'd probably be Karloftis coming off the bench, but like, that's fine. You're still going to crack 400 snaps as long as he's better than Mike Dane, as long as he's better than Joshua Kando, he's going to crack, you know, at least half the snaps of the Chiefs defense. And if he's not better than Kando or Mike Dana, he won't, but that's a bigger issue, right? Then you're no longer worried about if he's can't outperform the, that level of play on day one, you're dealing with a different issue and not a stunting of the growth issues. So like I see no way that that's a negative thing for this particular position. I think Frank Clark's the one on the outside looking in if everything's going right for George Karloftis, honestly. Like I think, I think, you know, I think Karloftis is still there's, I don't think there's any scenario where there's not a path to him getting the kind of snap volume you're hoping to, and you're hoping that Karloftis earns. And if he earns, it's a good problem and you got to figure everything else around him. And that's kind of how I look at it. That's probably I, great. See Frank Clark's snap count go down too. Like let him be a little bit fresh. This is a right. guy that's beat up. Like his body is beat up whether it's just on field off field stuff like whatever you think of his play or him as a person like his body's beat up he's had a lot of elbow surgeries he's had some nerve issues there was the stomach issue and this is all from his final year in seattle to now with the chiefs his body's beat up he does not need to play as you know 70 percent of the snaps plus every single game that he's healthy limit his role that's absolutely fine right now the chiefs i don't think they can afford to do that getting robert quinn though they could very well afford to do that. And you arguably get to improve two defensive end spots in that regard with Frank Clark being hopefully better on a limited snap count. I know a lot of people talk about Robert Quinn's kind of up and down nature of the course of his career. One year on, one year off, one year on, one year off. You know what I honestly feel about that? I don't care. I don't care a little bit. I don't care if he doesn't play to the same level he did last year. Cause I think it's probably like, 
from a sack production. Yes, I don't think he's the second best pass rusher in the NFL last year anyway. He had a lot of volume from it for sure, but he was still a quality capable pass rusher. I don't really care if he kind of has a down year next year. I don't backs like he did in 2018 and had just limited pass rush production. I still think the swing is valuable and it's a worthy swing, even if he underperforms and he doesn't play to, you know, the same kind of level you saw in 2021. If there is a fall off, I don't care because like he, I don't think I, I think the bar to clear for quality depth at the edge position, a quality guy that can play 500 snaps is worth it at this point for this football team. And, you know, you look at the contract. I believe it's $12 million for this year. I can, we'll go double check this. But I believe uh, the acquiring team for Robert Quinn is only going to have to pay him like $12 million or $13 million each year for the next three years. And it's kind of like they have the chance. Like, there's zero debt when they acquire him, if the Chiefs acquire him or it, whoever acquires him. There's zero debt. There's zero dead cap. So it's just kind of like if things don't pan out fine, you move on. No, you know, no harm, no foul after after a year. But when I look at how much like the surplus of draft capital that this team has, I don't know if there's going to be an opportunity before the season to make this team better the same way I think Robert Quinn can make it better. That's the thing. I don't know if there's an option. There's I don't think there's I don't think there's a chance to make pass rusher better. And I, the dots and, and the, the ties are just too strong for me to think it doesn't make sense that these teams haven't had even had. I, I feel like there's got to have been some dialogue. If Robert Quinn's on the market, he makes too much sense. Like, I don't think the aging thing holds water in this scenario either. Because again, like you have a lot of cost control here. You can move on after one year if things don't work out. I think if he is readily available and the price isn't crazy, which I don't think it would be at this point in time, I don't know why he would not be available. I think it would be pretty crazy for the Chiefs to have at least not entertained the idea, right? I would be not only surprised, but I think it would be really bad business to at least not entertain the idea because like you said, that contract isn't something that's going to sink a team taking it on. I don't imagine that the price tag to acquire him from the Bears in the current state is really going to be astronomical compared to you know when you see what some of these other defensive ends have gone for given his age, given what he was just traded to the bear. I believe it was the bears is his last year. No, it was for two Dallas from Miami. And like, I don't think the price tag is going to be that high. You're not going to give up Frank Clark compensation for him. Make the move. If it's out there, I think they absolutely should make the move. Cause I'm with you. I don't think you're going to have the option to fix the defensive end room within the year. We could be wrong. We could be absolutely wrong. And Frank Clark comes back and plays, you know, his sophomore and third year, Frank Clark at Seattle Seahawks level. And Mike Dana makes these massive steps. And Jonathan Kando puts it all together with his athletic frame. And George Karloff, this hits the ground running. Like those things, all of them, one of them, none of them are all possible. So we could look back on this and think it's silly. But if you're looking to cover all of your bases, even if those things happen, having one of the top three speed rushers in the NFL, arguably the guy that has the best cross chop in the NFL, when we're talking about a speed rush, just pure outside pressure, getting Robert Quinn, like, that's a guy that Chiefs don't have. Chiefs do not have a guy that's as fast and as flexible as he is on their roster. He gives them a different type of outside pass rush than anybody else has. Different skill sets, better player, raise the ceiling, raise the floor. It's all there. It just remains to be seen if the Bears are really willing to move him. Yeah, there's there's some. Uh, I'm looking at the contract here now. So twelve point nine million dollars in 2022, 14 million dollars in 2023, and 13 million dollars in 2024 for the team acquiring. Uh, I believe it would was is what it would all shape out to. So, I mean, those are especially with the rising salary cap. I think those are really cost effective contracts to take a chance on. And you again, you kind of got the it's it's the you know you you wait and see every year. You kind of just play it as you go. And I don't know. I want to I want to know from you, Maddie. What's the most you would give up for Robert Quinn? Most I don't know. I don't I don't know what the I don't know ultimately what the markets look like because I think his market's complicated because of his production last year. I do think that's a little bit complicated. I want to know what's the most you'd be willing to give up. His production last year was fantastic. 
the year before was pretty rough. I mean, that was a bad year production wise. He didn't have a ton of pressures, didn't have a ton of sacks. Like I think that kind of balances out. I don't think for Robert Quinn, who's got, you know, enough time in the NFL. I don't think teams are trading for the 18 and a half sacks. I think you are trading for the body of work. So that helps in this regard that you're not trading for that. I went back and looked. Khalil Mack is less than a year younger than Robert Quinn. Obviously, he's been a better player throughout his career. I would argue that last year, Robert Quinn was hands down better than Khalil Mack. Khalil Mack went for a second round and a future sixth round pick. I think that's too high probably for where I'd feel comfortable for Robert Quinn. I don't think I would give up a 2023 second round pick right now. And then a 2024 sixth round pick. That's probably a little higher than I'd want. I'd want to use the compensatory picks that I think they sh- the Chiefs should still be getting from Ryan Poles. If it had to be their own third round pick next year, maybe even if it had to be a third and a future fifth rather than the second and future sixth, I would consider it. Like I think that third rounder in 2023 is about the only one. That's about as high as I think I could go and feel good about it. Just the third. No, I could add something to it. I said I could add something to it. But so let's say, uh, let's say, okay, how about the Ryan Poles pick in Miami's fourth? Oh, in the same year, yes. Now, again, you have 12 picks, Matt. You have, 12 I agree, picks, Maddie. I agree. Um, here's the thing the Miami Dolphins pick is going to flirt right there with the last useful pick. Uh, in the NFL draft mm-hmm. that like, you know, 120 to 125 range after that, the picks don't matter. Um, so that Miami pick flirts with that. I would rather give up the, the chiefs own fourth round pick. If they still have it, I honestly don't know what picks they have. Um, like I, would I say no, if that's like, if they negotiated to that and that was the final straw, I would not say no to that. If I still thought you could use them. Like, I think I could be pushed over to get to there, but no more. If I were the Chiefs, so I'd really, really try to sit as strong as I can and keep that fourth round pick and try to either push that second pick into the following year. So 2024 or include a later day three pick in the process. All right. I'm going to throw you this scenario. Uh Oh, it's uh, <clears throat> it's July 28th and the Kansas city chiefs have acquired Robert Quinn from the Chicago bears and they have given up their third round pick and the Ryan Poles compensatory compensatory third round pick how do you feel are you mad are you upset that they gave a little too much up in your opinion or is it just like are you done so they gave up two third, third round, round picks, picks. Ooh. i think that's too much um i think so, it's too much i think so i think that's too much to put in there because we've talked enough about the Chiefs has some young guys that they probably feel pretty decent about. Whether Mike Dana's ceiling they think has been reached or not, you still have Kando, who they just drafted last year. They seem to like, and you're going to get another year of him. You just drafted Karloftis. I think using two day two picks, because I mean ultimately that's what they are, to go get somebody to put in front of those guys, especially at this time of the year. Eh. Okay. Uh, another thought that just hit my mind too. If they make that trade, the exact date you said, that makes me think they are very, very unhappy with their defensive end room. It no longer goes from we're uncertain about these guys. They haven't proven themselves to we don't like what we're seeing and we have to make a change. So in that case, not I don't feel great, but like I would get it if that's probably where they'd be coming from. Leave it to Maddie to just take my arbitrary July date and turn it into real logic. <laughs> like I, I wasn't like I. it's July. It's it's tomorrow, Matt. Sorry, sorry. Oh, well, I, I mean, if, if it's tomorrow, then I think they they, they probably, I, I'd still say the same thing, honestly. They probably just decided they didn't like their defense. I think that's too much. I think given how Robert Quinn has bounced around the NFL these past few years, given the fact that he has not been consistent, he is 32 years old, and you look at the way the NFL treated some other guys that are a little in more inconsistent pass rushers of that age, they're not getting paid the same way that a lot of people thought they would have three, four, five years ago. I think two third round picks at this point in time is a little bit high for where I would anticipate the NFL seeing Robert Quinn's value. I just, I mean, I think if you, I think if they get two thirds out of it, that's telling you what the market is for him. Um, so like, I, I, that's just kind of how I look at it. And I, I don't know if I really 
like I don't know if I'll care. And I'm I love draft picks, but if they give up two thirds, I don't know if I'll care because again, like I think this team has a lot of draft capital. I think these last two drafts are going to prove to have been goodwill for them when it comes to, you know, what they've been able to do with the capital that they have. I don't, and again, like they're not going to take 12 picks. 12 picks aren't making the roster. 10 picks probably aren't making the roster. And so they've got extra force to play with. They can move up back into day two and, you know, make wind up with three picks in day, day one and two, if they want, like, I still feel good about the flexibility and part of me, like I just go, go make yourself better in an ultra competitive division. Just go like that. That's a chance to make your teams noticeably better. I think even if you're getting a lesser version of Robert Quinn than what you got last year, I think this is a chance to make your team better. So I think angry at drunken and German brings up a good point though. Does Brett Veach see this as a rebuilding or retooling year, or does he trying to spend on this to push them to a Super Bowl run? If you look at this team and the turnover that they've had, I think a trade of two third round picks in the following year says this is the final step to get us to the Super Bowl. Do you think Robert Quinn takes the Chiefs from competing for a Super Bowl to a Super Bowl-like favorite? Do you think that move pushes them over the edge to go from we should keep some picks to keep retooling out this team that is definitely undergoing a changing process, and is it going to be worth it at that point in time? Because I do think the mindset that you have of retooling while being competitive versus going all out and competing for a Super Bowl win are a little bit different, and I think that probably would really hinder on a two third-round picks kind of trade. I just... Like, I get it. And, like, that definitely is something I've kind of debated about. Like, is this team just slamming the brake? Like, we talked about, is this team slamming the brakes on how they've approached things and trying to show themselves a little bit of know, grace is the right word? Just kind of, uh, you know, take take a few steps back so they can take steps forward for the next decade. Yes, I understand all that. But I don't know why you can't have both. Like, I just don't know what the opportunity cost is on you know, not acquiring Robert Quinn, right? Yes, we're talking about third round picks. I understand that, but you're still going to have a lot of opportunities to throw picks at the next draft. Like you're still going to have 10 if you give up two, you know, if, if you gave up two thirds, I, and I know that's a lot, I'm not advocating for it. I, you know, but you'd still have good picks to, to throw at, you know, at, at the next draft. And then you, you know, you still like, again, I don't think 10 are making the roster. So like, I think you could have both. Like, I think that's a move that allows you. I think that's one of those unique moves where you look at the totality, you look at everything from a cost perspective. Because that's a thirteen million dollars is not expensive for a pass rusher. Uh, you look at the number of picks that this team has outside of whatever they give up eventually. You know, if if you're you know whatever they would have got, given up for Robert Quinn, like this seems like an opportunity to have both. So, like, I don't feel like you have to make that answer. You can still go for it. You can still make your football team better. Do I think he's the guy that pushes this team over the edge? No, but Mahomes is the only guy that can do that anyway. It's a, it's a, it's something to make your defense better, which could be enough when it's all said and done because you have the best quarterback in the world. But will the payout of the defense being whatever increment that is better be worth not having those two day two picks the following year? Like I, I get what you're saying. Don't get me wrong. And like I. I think I would be upset in the moment because I think they'd over overvalued it. But like with given two to three days, like I wouldn't care because I like Robert Quinn as a player and he does make them better. Like I can very easily spin it as to in my own head, not even like out loud, but in my own head and how it makes the chiefs better. And it was the right move. But sitting here before that happens, I'll just say like, I think it deter, I think it depends on if the chiefs are in where they were in 2018 where they were just trying to be competitive, but they knew there was another step to be made versus where the Chiefs were for 2019, 2020, 2021, and those off-seasons, because there's a very clear difference in how I think you should be and how they kind of approach those off-seasons in terms of being ready to win that year at all costs. We'll deal with any financial complications down the road. We'll deal with any lack of depth down the road. Right now, they might be in the mode of trying to build up that depth keep that financial you know availability and i get it he's not overly expensive but trading for robert quinn's contract you probably aren't going to also go out next year and play at the top of the free agent defensive end market as well so like you're making a a short long term if that makes sense kind of move when you do that plus trading away draft capital i'm not saying no it's just i think it would really depend on the state of mind where they think the team is going this year 
And I think that's part of why this year is so interesting from the Chiefs' perspective is like, how are they navigating? How they are they approaching it? Because they've and like, are they willing? Is is Robert Quinn a guy they're willing to um, cash in some of the equity that they've built? You know, over you know the the trade for Tyree Kill and you know the cap health that they've been able to kind of get to a little bit with all this. Like, is is Robert Quinn someone you want to cash a little bit of that in for? And man, I don't want to waste a year of Patrick Mahomes' career. You know, and it seems like it seems like, you know, Brett Vita has always said we're not going to go into a year, you know, not trying to go for it with Patrick Mahomes. And if that's the case and if that's real, which like you can I still think you can have your cake and eat it, too. I think the Chiefs have put themselves in a very good situation where they don't it's not they're not hurting to if if they're not hurting, if they, you know, take a 13 million dollar cap hit in 2022 for Robert Quinn and give up a few draft picks because they have plenty of draft capital to play with still. They're still going to have cap space to play with. Like, you know, I don't know. And sometimes I wonder if there's already a move in place and they're just waiting for uh, the Orlando Brown deal to potentially get done. Like, that's what I'm, that's my, that's my dream scenario here is you get two things. You get the, you get the, you know, you get Orlando Brown deals done, gives you a little bit more flexibility for 2022. And then you go and trade some draft picks for Robert Quinn. Cause you can do both of those easily if you get the Orlando Brown deal done real quick we'll talk about orlando brown in a second if you're watching this show thank you so much please hit the like button please hit the subscribe button leave a few comments we might jump on a few later um uh, here towards the end of the show but um likes and subscribes all those things help us grow the channel as we're continuing to build kc sports network in what month 13 this has been pretty dope uh anyways i want to let's just talk about orlando brown really quick because i, I have to ruin your fantastic transition i have to like oh, no. you just I, I'm sorry. We have to talk about Frank Clark. Like, you know, he posted a new picture on Instagram. This is something that we, we're talking defensive ends. Like, you know, this isn't a long thing. It was it was a great transition, though. You did phenomenal. Uh, Frank Clark, this new picture he went out there on the Instagram today. People were a little worried earlier this year or earlier this offseason because there he was a videos of him at a, a youth football camp and people were trying to say how skinny he looked again and all that stuff. I mean, he posted a new picture in some fantastic shorts and a vest that almost looks like it's made out of a car floor mat. Very odd choice in the vest, but the shorts are great. Does not look skinny whatsoever. He looks like he's in great shape, and that's good because, as we all remember last offseason, a big talking point was Frank Clark playing at like 220 pounds down the stretch in 2020. He added some weight last year, and it very clearly showed. Like, yeah, there was some injury issues, and he wasn't great last year by any means, but you could see he had a little bit more power. He was a little bit thicker. It looks like he's even in better shape this year. Like last year, he looked thick, thick. Now he just looks to be in really good shape. So it's good. Like this is a good sign going into the season to see Frank Clark in, you know, also good claims four months without any liquor. I believe that's probably a good thing um, for any athlete. Not that you have to, or if you don't want to enjoy a drink, but it's probably a good thing for him in this scenario. And he looks like he's in great shape. So go get Robert Quinn to pair with that guy. And them awesome shorts. Uh, body expert Maddie Lane. I, with all sincerity, You're welcome. Body expert Maddie Lane is he's very good at what he does when he comes to assessing body types. <laughs> man loves the man loves the physiques. Uh, he's actually pretty good at like assessing all that. So I do trust him. When, when, I haven't seen the picture, but I do trust him on all that. We're driven by the search for better, but when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search, match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying you heard about Indeed on this podcast. Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Um. Can I go back to Orlando Brown because you ruined my transition? You absolutely can. You should try it again. Just do the whole transition over. No, I I lost it already. Uh, much like the Chiefs will lose the opportunity to uh, give a long term contract to Orlando Brown here in a few. So I feel. 
that's the two-time champ right there, everybody. There we go. Uh, July 15th is the deadline uh, for the Chiefs to come to terms with Orlando Brown on a long-term deal. And obviously, the saga of Orlando Brown has been very fascinating from the outside looking in. You know, went a long time this offseason without having a uh, without having an agent. Finally, selects an agent. Um, kind of off the beaten path when it comes to football. And here we are. We're three and a half, well, three days away. Deadlines make deals, Maddie. But I mean, does the does the quiet nature of this negotiation or lack thereof like give you any pause about whether or not this team is getting a long term deal done? Nope. Not a bit has changed in the past 60 days for me over this. I think the Chiefs notoriously have run every contract situation down to the absolute deadline almost every single time. It's very annoying from a fan's perspective, but no, I'm not worried. I will not be worried until the day hits, till the time hits, until it is passed. I'm not worried at all. This is what these guys get paid for. He went out, he got an agent late in the process, a guy that doesn't seem like he had a ton, an agent doesn't have a ton of experience dealing with the franchise tag. That still doesn't concern me. I think this gets done, and I'm not I, I'm not going to lose sleep over that because that's something that I think is so far beyond our scope from where we sit right now because no information is being shared to really have much of a takeaway from it. I So like, if you gave a percentage chance that you think this deal gets done, where are you at? 93 93 yeah there's a long-term deal signed you're just you are just you think we're getting a contract signed in the next three days no doubt about it yeah i feel i well all right no you know what i'm gonna back it off a little bit because i said this on 810 earlier or last week i think it'd be really smart for orlando brown to sit here look at this play on the franchise tag realize that the cap, the NFL cap is about to explode as this new money TV marketing deal start to hit. You look around the NFL, guys are signing two to three year deals with outs after one to two years because they want to get ready to hit free agency again as soon as possible right now. Orlando Brown cashing in on the most money he's going to get this year up front by playing on the franchise tag and then re-signing next year if that potential boom is going to come would be very fiscally smart. I don't think they're going to go that route because people usually don't like players don't like to take that risk. But I think financially that's a very intelligent thing to do. So I'm going to go with 77% that a long-term deal gets signed. I mean, and with Orlando Brown junior story and being adamant about continuing to play left tackle and getting the opportunity, like this might be a guy that's willing to operate a little bit differently. You know, who knows? Like, I mean, he's operated differently throughout the entirety of the process. And that's what gives me a little bit of pause is it took him so long to find an agent, the agent he wound up getting. Um, I, it's just it, his at, being adamant about getting to play left tackle and refusing to you know, really play right. Like all those factors I take into consideration, I go like this whole thing just could potentially be weird. I don't know. I mean, and maybe it's more on the player side than it is. I don't know. Like who knows what the Chiefs offer and what they're willing to go for is as well. You know, like how, how high up are they willing to go on it on a uh, on a deal for Orlando Brown. That's always gonna we're gonna find out in the next couple of days. I would do you think it's do you think it's weird if he decides to just play on the franchise tag though? Like is that something that's weird to you? I'll look into it in a lot of different ways. I'll try to, you know, it'll be it'll be at what did the Chiefs offer? Why did he not feel comfortable taking it? Why is he trying to stretch this thing out? You know, why is he taking the risk? Like I I wouldn't put it. I, I'm least surprised compared to other people, maybe other, you know, other guys in the league because of just you know, how he's kind of operated. But I don't know. I, I, I put, I'm, I'm, ner I'm, I'm not nervous. Isn't the right word. I put it at like 70% though. Like I, I still think a deal gets done, but I'm more leery than you. I mean, 77 is not too far anyways now, but I I'm, I'm a little bit, I'm a little bit more. And it might be, let's call it 60. Let's call it 62%. I'm going to go a little bit lower. I'm 62% confident that a deal gets done. I still lean it does, but if there's enough in the back of my head that I wouldn't be surprised even a little bit, you know? And I do, do you think do you think if an Orlando Brown Jr. deal doesn't get done and he plays on the tag, does that tell you anything about, you know, we're talking about the Robert Quinn side of this. Does that tell does does Orlando Brown not getting a long-term deal not coming to terms tell you anything about the long-term plans of this team? I don't think so. Um, like I said, I think financially, 
if you are willing to bet on yourself to stay healthy, I'm not sold that not playing on the franchise tag, pushing off your free agency an extra year or two, even for when the projected NFL cap is going to boom. I don't know if it's a bad move. Like I think that might be a smart move. If you're willing to bet on your own health, it's not a team friendly move per se, but I do believe it's a financially intelligent move. So if a deal isn't signed and he still reports to camp right when he needs to and does everything with the team he needs to, I will literally just go, huh, he probably is just trying to make as much money as he can. He saw Kirk Cousin cash in year after year on the franchise tag and then still go sign a big deal money and he gets all this guaranteed money. All this money is his if he doesn't sign the long-term deal and it only hurts you if you get injured. So I, I get it. Betting on himself, waiting for more money is a completely viable option. Now, it hurts the team. It 100% hurts the team. It might make the Chiefs less likely to want to sign you long-term. But if that's the route he wants to go, he's looking out for his own finances. It's hard to be mad at him. It just would definitely make me wonder if the Chiefs start to look for a potential future replacement because I wouldn't blame them either. I wouldn't blame the Chiefs if they wanted to move on from a guy who was only thinking about himself, and I wouldn't blame the guy for thinking about himself and not the team either. No, I, that's what's going to be interesting is if they don't come to agree on, agreement on a deal, who knows? Who I mean, I think I think you can justify the draft capital that they gave up for two years of Orlando Brown. Obviously, you would have liked a little bit more uh, out of it, but you know maybe they look elsewhere in 2023. Maybe they find you know an opportunity that can be a little bit more cost effective, and you know the right tackle position gets settled, and you got four you got four year offensive linemen kind of solidified. And you just got to figure the left tackle position out. Maybe the Chiefs try to get a little bit more creative, have a little bit more flexibility for the future and go cheap at left tackle. You know, you use that draft capital to go trade up for a left tackle in the, in this upcoming draft or something in that capacity. Like, who knows? Maybe maybe some options open up. And that's probably some of the questions that they got to have with Orlando Brown Jr. And that's what I'm going to be fascinated to watch. Deadlines make deals, baby. You hope you see something. We uh, It's going to be fascinating to see. Don't know I if- got... Don't you dare close the show right now. Don't you dare. Don't you dare. We got one more. We got one more hurdle to get through. And everybody watching us live right now, YouTube, Facebook, Twitter, wherever you may be, I welcome you to put your answer in the chat as well. Tucker will throw all these up that he can uh, on the screen as we go through. But I'm going to ask Kent, let's say Orlando Brown Jr. doesn't show up when he's supposed to. Let's say he's, let's say the Chiefs won't match the number he wants and he's willing to hold out like he threatened in Baltimore to do. Where do your expectations for this team go? If the, you are uh, from a scale from one to 10, like being a 10 right now, how much lower do your expectations get for the Chiefs offense this year if Orlando Brown Jr. is going to be there? And who's going to start at left tackle if that happens? Ugh. Don't you guys feel sorry for Kent? My expectations uh, definitely change. And the answer for left tackle is... Oh, I I don't know. Do you try... There is no answer. <laughs> Jaron Christian, it's Jaron Christian. You think so? Yeah, he well, had Lucas he start, Yes, because Lucas Niang. I need to see Lucas Niang at left tackle play more comfortably than we've seen in some of those training clips. Jaron Christian has experience at left tackle. Experience is the word. I mean, he's played and he started multiple games in the NFL at the left tackle position. He did it for the Houston Texans. But how do you feel? You know, like I, I don't feel good. I mean, I know Mahomes has solved a lot of problems, and he's, I mean, they've, you know, they haven't always had the most consistent left tackle play. But I mean, I, my expectations lower for sure. And so how much lower? Like, it. Let's say your expectations are a ten now. Like, we don't have to worry about like what that means. But you go from Orlando Brown Jr. to Garyon Christian or Prince Tiga Winogo, whatever it may be. How much of a drop-off, you know, on a 1 to 10 scale would you expect? Would you expect him to go from a 10 to a 7, a 10 to a 6? Like, how much worse would it be with that change at left tackle? Or none at all? It's still probably, it's higher than you think. It's probably like an 8.5. Like, you're nervous every game, and every time we do a game preview, we talk about whether or not Jaron Christian can hold up against pass rusher X. In the AFC West? Bring back Eric Fisher. I like that move. You know what? That's the power play. That's the flex. For sure. Does he want to come back though? That's the question now. Yeah. And that's, I mean, he doesn't have a job right now. So does he want a job? Sure. Do it. You know, you can, and you can deal with, I think you can deal with an Eric Fisher out there. There's at least some experience there. I mean, he's got good relationships by all indications with the guys in Kansas city. 
that's probably the that's probably the power move that Brett Veach pulls if if Orlando Brown. And I'll, here's the thing: I'll just say this: Brett, Orlando Brown has a lot of leverage, 100. But if he pulls that move after everything and how he's how he's handled everything to this point, you're probably moving on because that's going to be a guy that's difficult to make happy. And so if he does threaten to hold out or he does hold out, now you're having a different conversation because now that's multiple teams that he's kind of had some issues with, you know, and, and how he's utilized and all that stuff. So then you start asking your questions. Okay. We gave him the opportunity to play left tackle. We told him, Hey, we'll let you, you know, we, you gave him that chance to play left tackle. You were the team that bet on him as a left tackle. And you're going to play hardball with them after you were adamant and refused to move back to the right tackle position at your prior spot, which is what ultimately led you to being traded. That's yeah. Oh, that yeah. Be, I think that would be, I talked about, I given him a lot of credit for, I think being potentially very smart uh, about the way he's handled this process and just terms of collecting, you know, money for a very dangerous sport burning a bridge with the chiefs in that way by not showing up to even just play on the franchise tag, like being so upset that he doesn't show up to play on day one from the franchise tag with the chiefs after the way it went down at Baltimore would be very, would be a bad look. Like you would now no longer, it looks like you're just protecting your bag. It looks like you are a hard person to work with. that doesn't want to, you know, give at all. You don't want to meet in the middle anywhere. That's probably not great. On the other hand, though, if you're the Chiefs, like how do you not bend over backwards? Can you go into a year with Garyon Kirsten and Andrew Wiley as your starting tackles? Like we saw how the Super Bowl went, and I get the interior offensive line is better than the Super Bowl versus the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, but boy, I don't know if the tackle position would be much better than it was that particular year. Like that's that's a scary thought going into the start of a year. I, that's ultimately why I think a long-term deal does get done. I don't think the Chiefs can sit here and look. They don't have a viable option. They don't have a left tackle. They barely have a right tackle. They have a bunch of guys that could be starting caliber right tackles, but I don't know if they're there yet. They have no one to shove over on the left side. Like I think worst comes to worst, the Chiefs just pony up and meet whatever demands you know that are realistic that Orlando Brown has, and that's why I think a deal gets done. Yeah, it's gonna. there's three days left. There's three days to observe, and uh, I can't wait to see. Obviously, you know, if something happens before we do our show, uh, we record on Wednesday night, we will cover it. Uh, if not, we'll just be business as usual with the game preview episode uh, coming up later this week. If you like this show, please hit the like button. Please hit the subscribe button. Uh, thank you all so much for watching, and we'll catch you later.